Good evening, everybody. Thank you for coming back to me. Thank you for watching me, dear friends. I am very pleased to come to this uh, temple and meet all of you this evening. I assume you all came to meditate and listen to Dhamma talk, have a discussion, and get some uh, experience. Before I start uh, giving instructions on meditation, I like to uh, speak for some times and uh, allow you to ask me questions so that we can have a discussion before we start meditation. Sometimes I prefer other way around. First meditate and then talk and then questions and answers. So we change that uh, this evening a little bit, turn it around and first I walk a little bit and then let you ask me questions. Since I don't uh, know how much you know meditation, how many of you are new to meditation, how many are experienced meditators and what you have gained from meditation, all these things, I don't know. So, I have to speak on something very general and go to period of discussion. Instead of giving a general talk, it is better to focus on meditation itself. I believe most of you are more interested in meditation than other aspects of Buddhism. And therefore, let me straight away start talking on meditation. It's a very big subject and it's a lifelong commitment. This is not something you do once and forget about it. This is something we have to do over and over again. If you started now, you got to do it until you pass away. It is this kind of continuous, regular, consistent practice in order to gain benefit. Even the Buddha who meditated and attained enlightenment continued to meditate even after attainment of enlightenment. Therefore, there is no end to meditation. So, in our system of meditation, there are two aspects. One is called tranquility meditation, other is called insight meditation. What is tranquility meditation and what is insight meditation? Tranquility meditation also is known as uh, concentration meditation or samatha meditation in Pali. Forget about Pali, just try to remember these two systems, tranquility meditation and or concentration meditation and insight meditation. Sometimes people tend to think that these are two different kinds of meditation. In the long before Buddha attained enlightenment, tranquility meditation was in practice. 
and he also practiced tranquility meditation. The Buddha's contribution to tranquility meditation is very unique. Although there was tranquility meditation and he himself practiced tranquility meditation before attaining enlightenment, he came up with different type of tranquility meditation. So one may wonder how can tranquility meditation be different from one another. That also lies in various factors. Let me focus the mind on what tranquility meditation is. Tranquility meditation is a meditation technique which we uh, practice focusing our mind only on one object without going into great detail of the object, without analyzing, without trying to find the meaning of the object. It is almost focusing mind on the superficial part of the object to gain concentration. Gaining concentration itself is very difficult but extremely essential part of meditation. And gaining concentration alone is not the practice of meditation. Most people, whenever they come to meditation, one invariable complaint they all have is that they cannot concentrate. They cannot concentrate. And they give up. However, we must remember concentration is absolutely necessary and not and yet not sufficient. Now concentration also has quality. We need a quality concentration. And concentration also has to have a, an aim, a goal. And we cannot practice meditation without a goal. Although sometimes we tend to think that when we sit and simply sit, close our eyes, focus the mind on our breathing, we are meditating. Well, that is necessary beginning, but that is not all. For trying or concentration meditation, the quality is that it needs other background such as mindfulness and clear comprehension. Sometimes this, as I said, although there was concentration meditation before Buddha came into existence, there was no an introduction to clear comprehension and mindfulness. When concentration is supported, nourished by clear comprehension and mindfulness, that concentration is called right concentration, quality concentration. And the other part of meditation is called mindfulness meditation, 
or insight meditation. Now, these two are big subjects by themselves. And in a short uh, talk like this, I cannot uh, explain all of them. But mindfulness meditation uh, is the Buddha's very special contribution to the system of meditation. Although he himself practiced concentration meditation, he found his last two teachers who taught him how to attain stages called, uh, very technically speaking, the stage of neither perception nor non-perception and nothingness. These are the stages of uh, higher attainment of concentration. He attained that. Even after attaining that, he realized that that is not the end of the practice of meditation. So, when Buddha, before attaining enlightenment, practiced concentration meditation and had not attained his goal, Although concentration meditation is absolutely necessary, but he realized concentration alone was not sufficient. And he introduced this system called mindfulness or insight meditation. As I said, these are not two different kinds of meditation in Buddhist tradition. These two go hand in hand, parallel to each other, and uh, I should not say parallel because parallel never meet. I cannot say these are two sides of the same coin. To some extent that simile might work and still this side of the coin cannot see the other side. Therefore that simile also doesn't uh, convey the meaning of the connection between Tranquility meditation and insight meditation. Uh, I must say these two essential part of one system, essential parts of one system. What is insight meditation or mindfulness meditation? That is the meditation system that would be introduced in no other tradition, no other system before his attainment of enlightenment, even after attainment of enlightenment, can we find insight meditation or mindfulness meditation. And therefore it is Buddha's own special contribution. And it is this mindfulness or insight that supports to support concentration meditation, a quality concentration meditation. So that Concentration we all can gain, but uh, it is uh, it is not a high quality concentration. The high quality concentration we gain when it is supported, nourished by insight or mindfulness meditation. That is why when you see the noble eightfold path in the Buddha's core teaching, core teaching as you all know is called uh, middle path, 
or the noble eightfold path. In that path, number seven is mindfulness. Number eight is concentration. So concentration must be supported by mindfulness in order to make concentration a quality concentration. It is that concentration with the with mindfulness that can make see things exactly as they are. So what is mindfulness? Inside meditation. I have written one book on mindfulness. I think you have read it in simple plain English and uh, where I try to explain it as simply as possible but still I feel I have not explained it enough to make it clear because it is in a way extremely simple at the same time it is extremely profound and deep. For inside meditation we use the word Pali word Vipassana. How many of you have the word Vipassana? How many of, how many of you have heard? Okay. Most of you have heard the word Vipassana. Vipassana Vi <coughs> means very special. Very special. Pasana means seeing. Seeing in a very special way. We call it very special way because when we ordinarily see things, we don't see them as they are. We see their superficial appearance, color, shape, size, light and so forth. These are not what we are trying to see in this very special way. We want to see things that we cannot see with our eyes. We want to see things with our mind's eye. With our mind's eye, we try to see not so many external outside things. No matter how much we see outside external things, we want gain inside. We want to gain insight through the practice of vipassana or mindfulness meditation. And Buddha, Buddha tried and he gave many sermons to make us understand how to see things as they are. He spent uh, 45 years trying to explain this and uh, he was successful to some extent but he could not make everybody understand how to see things exactly as they are. We think we know things exactly as they are. We don't. We don't. Not because Vipassana is something very mystic. This seeing is not something mystic. It is because we have so much conditioning and it is difficult for most of us to get out of this conditioning. 
in order to focus our mind eye on the reality. I give you one example for you to think. One of the things that uh, we want to see the real established element of Dhamma. This is called Dhamma Dhatu, Dhamma Niyama, Dhamma Thiti in Pali. We want to see the element of Dhamma, established Dhamma, the law of Dhamma. Example I like to give you, very practical and yet we don't think about it. You have heard the, and read, perhaps discussed impermanence. Impermanence. I don't think anybody in this audience uh, does not know what impermanence is. We all know to some extent what impermanence is. Philosophers talk about it, psychologists talk about it, maybe scientists can even witness it, mathematicians can think about it, even little children can talk about it. But then what? You know, very famous uh, philosopher, pre-Socratic philosopher, known as uh, Heraclitus, the one who said, no man can step into the same river twice. And uh, we even improve his statement and say, not only a man cannot step into the same river twice, but not the same man can step into the same river twice. The statement is very profound, philosophical, but I have never heard or read anything that Heraclitus did with that statement, with that understanding, with that knowledge. I don't know anybody else other than the Buddha who has made use of this knowledge for something very meaningful. Buddha is the only one who used this very apparently simple reality to build up his entire teaching. Entire teaching of the Buddha, if you, when you practice mindfulness meditation, insight meditation, you can see entire teachings of the Buddha pivots around, built around, on this very simple, ordinary truth. Buddha called it, whether the Buddhas come into existence or not, this truth exists, that everything is impermanent. Now, uh, how can we know this? We know to some action using our common sense. We look, look at ourselves, look at everybody else around us. Uh, sometimes when I go to certain places, maybe a certain country, maybe 20 years I had not been there and all of a sudden I go there. Somebody would come to me and say, Bhante, what happened? When you are here, you look so young, shining. Your skin was so smooth. Hair was very nice. Your teeth are very good. 
Your eyes look very shiny, bright, radiant, sparkly. What happened? She looked very old. The very same person who makes that remark also is grown because 20 years he has lived. And he also has changed. He can see my change. That things in me is changed. My hair is impermanent, my eyes are impermanent, my face has shrinkers so impermanent, and so forth and so on. My voice is impermanent. He can see this, he can hear this, but he cannot see what is happening to him. Friends, it is not the knowledge of external things that makes our life happy or unhappy, but it is not seeing ourselves. How many of us are trying to see ourselves? We see, I said, we want to see things exactly as they are, we want to see with our eyes. When we open our eyes, we don't see our body. Occasionally when we go to bathroom, maybe through the, in the mirror, we may see our body. Otherwise we don't see our body very much. But, we see everything outside. We see everything outside has changed. We don't see us changing. So, this we persona means seeing things as they really are. Things, what is, what do we mean by things when we say see things as they really are, we must ask ourselves, what are the things? Things, friends, are not things outside. Things are things inside. Inside. Sometimes when we say we practice inside meditation, people don't hear me very well. They think, we are practicing inside the meditation. I think that is true. Even though they, they don't hear me say my words clearly, their misunderstanding in a way is correct. We are trying to see inside ourselves. When we try to see inside, we don't see, we don't use our eyes. Friends, seeing inside ourselves is the most important thing and the best lesson we learn from seeing inside ourselves. It is not understanding ourselves, we build up our problems, our problems, our suffering, we build up. So we try to practice this meditation to see us how we change. Our changes we can experience only if we pay attention to ourselves. If we do not pay attention to ourselves, we may see the changes in others and we can talk about it. Friends, this body and mind of ours is like our laboratory our laboratory. 
in this laboratory we have everything we want to know everything we want to learn but how many of us are using our laboratories we borrow others laboratories and we go into their lives and we think about them we want to help the world so we are so compassionate so altruistic we are so generous we want to help others i don't mean that we should not help others helping others becomes even more effective more meaningful if we help ourselves first so in the personal meditation we turn our mental eye towards ourselves and see what really is happening to us to see what is happening to us we must focus our mind on our own mind and body when we turn our eyes our mental life towards our own mind and body we learn the whole university is in us whole big, biggest encyclopedia bigger than encyclopedia britannica is here in us unfortunately we don't pay any attention to it and let it waste and we spend our time doing various external things so for inside meditation we begin to focus our mind or mental eye on something that we can pick up any moment from our own life anything and then watch it see it pay attention to it and pay sincere attention friends attention also has a quality attention anybody can have attention even uh, animals have attention uh, predators have attention cat can have attention on the movement of the mouse so that at right moment the cat can catch the mouse he pays attention our attention should not be that simple our attention should be quality attention what is the quality attention this very important part of the vipassana meditation quality attention what is the quality attention <laughs> quality attention is the attention that we pay to something without any distortion without any greed hatred and delusion without any emotion impartial unqualified simple direct attention attention without preconceptual perception without concepts ideas words theories we pay attention normally that is not the attention we pay to anything particularly to anything external we have a great deal of theories ideas words concepts we use all of them 
This is what, what we call conceptual proliferation. We proliferate our thoughts, our attention with all kinds of things and confuse and try to pay attention, confused attention. Quality attention is attention without any confusion, any distortion, any uh, preconceived notion. You see, when we pay attention to ourselves, if we want, if we don't want to know certain things within ourselves, we even don't want to look at it. We even don't want to pay attention to it. We try to hide it. We try, we pretend that it does not exist. We must pay attention very sincere, honest, direct attention to our experience. When we pay direct, honest attention, clear attention, that's called pure attention, we choose something that we experience. Not that we have experienced or will experience, but what we are experiencing now. You know, I asked you, how many of you know the word, the Pali word, Vipassana, most of you know the word, it's, it seems. But in order to cultivate Vipassana, we also must know Anupassana. Anupassana. I think some of you have heard Kaya Anupassana, Vedana Anupassana, Chitta Anupassana, Dhamma Anupassana. Don't worry about this Pali term, but I use these four phrases to show where Anupassana is used. Anupassana means uh, Seeing simultaneously. Simultaneously, whenever we hear the word simultaneity, that means there has to be more than one thing going together at the same time. We pay attention to something as it is happening, not before, no after. In order to see that exactly as it is. You know, when we see things with our normal eyes, any external object, our vision, our seeing does not bring us the object's nature exactly as it is. But when we pay attention to ourselves, our experiences, as we are experiencing, then we can experience the total occurrence, events, and action, whatever is happening at that time, because we are participating in that particular event. So this is what sometimes I call participatory observation. When you participate in something, while participating if you pay attention, you will be completely 100% with the things that is happening, because your mind is totally engaged in that particular thing that happens. For instance, we use very simple uh, object for both tranquility meditation and vipassana meditation. Very, that very simple object we use is our breathing. When we pay attention to our breath, 
while breathing in, we have to pay attention. And while breathing out, we have to pay attention. Only when we pay attention to the breath as we are breathing in and breathing out, at that time we can see what is happening to the breath. What is happening? It's moving. It's moving while we are experiencing and we experience the motion, movement. Motion or movement means it is changing. It doesn't stay the same even for two consecutive moments. It's changing. So we understand that. In order to understand that, in order to become aware of it, in order to gain this particular experience, we have to pay attention. Not distorted as attention, but clear, pure attention. Then we can experience it exactly as it is. We experience certain sensations, certain feelings. As the feeling is happening, we are right there. So, when we pay such attention to something as it is happening, that moment, that experience becomes very clear to us and we can see how it changes. This is how we learn to understand impermanence. Why is that? As I said, it is a big subject. I just want to stretch the surface right now. Later on during this short retreat, we can talk more about it. It is because uh, certain moments, certain things are in our life very pleasant, very pleasing, very beautiful. It brings us certain degree of pleasure, joy, happiness, definitely. Then what happened? How our mind reacts to that? When something is very pleasant, very beautiful, very pleasing, enticing, tempting, what happens? We naturally, mind, there's a built-up system, built-in system in us. That built-in system is, as soon as something very pleasant, beautiful, enticing, tempting arises, mind tries to latch onto it, grab it. Our built-in desire is built-in system. Built-in desire is trying to hold on to it. Next moment, while we are trying to hold on to it, it fades away. Then what happens? We experience displeasure, disappointment. Why? The very same beautiful pleasant experience is no longer there. But the desire to hold on to it is going on. It doesn't st stop. Desire to hold on to it doesn't stop. It still continues. But the thing, the object, the experience that we had is already gone. And then we experience displeasure, disappointment. That is what is called unsatisfactoriness, suffering, the first principle of the Buddha's teaching. 
again for noble truth number one is this so he he saw this reality by seeing impermanence so he used impermanence and then he saw the connection between the imp between impermanence and our unsatisfactoriness our what is called suffering everything impermanent everything impermanent is unsatisfactory that unsatisfactoriness cannot arise if we understand whatever we experience whatever is there is impermanent if we understand if we if we deeply comprehend it clearly comprehend understand then it will not become a source of unhappiness the buddha's purpose of introducing vipassana meditation is to eliminate this unsatisfactoriness to make us happy bring us true peace solace and comfort not by trying to hide the truth but by revealing the truth buddha may be the one perhaps as i know the only one perhaps who said sweetest among all the taste or the tastiest of all the taste in the whole at life world the tastiest of all the taste or sweetest of all the sweets is the truth satchang have sadhu tarangasana in pali the truth is the tastiest thing in the world that is not what normally we hear we say truth is bitter isn't it truth is bitter truth is bitter so long as we don't understand the truth if we understand the truth truth makes us very very happy it is the sweetest the tastiest things in the world so impermanence is the truth you can never ever find anything permanent if you are somebody what is permanent that is impermanent that means impermanence is permanently impermanent so this permanently impermanent truth he used to build up his entire teaching through the practice of vipassana meditation this we read we are we experience it and the, the truth begins to reveal open and shine so buddha said the in pali is tathagata pavidudu dhammayano vivato virotiti no patichanda that the dhamma he taught shines when open not when it is hidden it begins to shine in us and our mind begins to shine and mind begins to relax become really deeply peaceful only when we see this reality because there is no escape so those who see me changed and talk to me about my change i'm not unhappy because i can see him also changed we both are in the same boat and i experience it 
every single moment and every single moment I experience it, I begin to understand this is the nature of my life and there's nothing to give me a surprise. So long as we hide the truth and try to run away from it, one day when it thrust on our face, we will be shocked. Cannot, we are not ready to accept it. So inside meditation gives us courage, trust, faith and make us very brave to face it rather than run away from it. Where can we run away from? From truth. No matter how hard we try to hide it, how hard we try to, how long we try to run away from it, we can never, where you go, there it is, where you are. So, we live our life with this understanding, this realization, this experience of truth, when we practice vipassana inside meditation. So friends, as I said, then, I wanted to speak for short while, perhaps I spoke uh, short while, <laughs> and then uh, I like to stop here. Uh, if you like to have a discussion, we can have a discussion and then we meditate. One is like Vipassana, and one is Jnana meditation. One is like what your mind, what your thinking. <coughs> I, I, I was a little bit confused. Okay. Goes, goes together. Yeah, her question is on the same topic. I I'll talk for a few minutes. That is uh, one is uh, what you say Vipassana. Watch your mind. Okay. One is Vipassana, one is uh, watching your mind. Yeah, yeah. Jhana. Okay. Actually, the word Jhana is used for concentration meditation. Vipassana is used for insight meditation. Only the, the words are different. Concentration meditation is called jhanic meditation or meditation practicing jhana. And the other is called vipassana. Vipassana means insight or mindfulness meditation. What is the relationship between these two? The relationship I have mentioned in my last book called Beyond Mindfulness. And these two are related. And these two, when you come to certain level, they both shake hand. To liberate the mind totally, completely from all psychic irritants. When these two combine together, these two must go together. Which one you should practice first? Okay. Her next question is, which of these one should practice first? Vipassana or Jhana or concentration? Well, uh, 
my uh, answer is uh, sometimes your concentration is very good. That time practice concentration. Another time concentration is not very good. That time practice vipassana. Because vipassana or insight meditation is a very dynamic practice. Mind is very active. When the mind is very active, you can watch the changes very quickly and simply keep paying attention to every tiny minute change. When you pay attention to them, you gain deep understanding how quickly things are, how quickly they are changing, how nothing can stay static. Everything is changing. That is your personal experience. Not that you, that not something you learn from a theory, from a book, from a teacher. So, when you pay personal, when you pay attention, total undivided attention to this personal experience, you see these changes taking place very quickly. At that time, without any getting upset, without getting disappointed, just go on paying total attention to no matter what happens, to see them changing. Another time, mind is very quiet, calm, relaxed, peaceful, nothing disturbs you. That time, focus your mind only on your breathing and stay with it, then you gain concentration. So, depending which of them you should practice first depends on the way, on, on how your meditation goes. And therefore, don't think these two are two separate systems. These two must go together and each person must practice both of them in order to gain the maximum benefit of benefit of, of meditation practice to get maximum benefit. Don't run down or be little one at the expense of the other. So, to answer your question once again, which of them you practice first depends on how your meditation goes. Perhaps, uh, if you don't have too many questions now, we meditate.